You are listening to a presentation of Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more audio and visual content, go to streamschurch.org. And now, Pastor Lloyd Baker. I want to tell you about a story. Um, in 1977, I walked down a church aisle, and I prayed at an altar and gave my life to following and serving Jesus Christ. It was at the Ozark Mountain Christian Camp in Ozark, Arkansas. And in, uh, yeah, it was a great, great day. And... Um, a year later, in 1978, I invited a friend of mine to that same camp. And it was a Wednesday night. Uh, the service had ended. Nighttime activities were done, and we were in bed. And he came up to my bed, and, and I wasn't asleep yet, but whispered to me. He says, I can't sleep. I can't get tonight's message out of my head. I, can we go pray? And I said, Absolutely. And so I grabbed the camp counselor that was over our dormitory and went outside the back of the dorm. And it was there at that place at that time that he prayed a prayer to accept Jesus Christ as a Savior, to forgive him of his sins, and decide to follow after him. It was the first experience I had like that. And I'll be honest, at that time of night, I think it was 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, I shouted out loud for joy and woke up half the dorm. <laughs> it was so powerful to me that God would give me the opportunity to impact somebody else's eternity and their life. And it created great joy in me. I had the privilege of being a part of the process. It was powerful. It was amazing. It was incredible. And Proverbs 14.25 is the amplified version I'm going to read to you. It says, A truthful witness saves lives. But a deceitful witness speaks lives and endangers lives. So a truthful witness, somebody who lives what they believe, who speaks it out, saves lives. But those who don't can be deceitful. A truthful witness. We're going to finish this series today that we call Lifesavers, Relationships that, that Change Lives. And we've discovered several things. First of all, we discovered that everyone here... Uh, has uh, has influence. You have a unique influence where you live, where you work, where you go to school, your family that's unique to you. It's different than me. It's special to you. You have influence there that I wouldn't have or that somebody else has. So God has placed you in a place where you have influence and that we've been chosen to use our influence to invite people to life. We've been chosen to do that. In order to see life change, we must invest in the relationships that God has given in our direct, what I call, sphere of influence, this sort of sphere that you have that nobody else has, where you have influence, it's our job to invest in those relationships. And that sphere of influence, again, is unique and exclusive to you. And also last week, we learned that I almost died. It's something I plan on leveraging <laughs> as long as I can. Uh, my daughter, Brittany, um, sometimes complains about how difficult and hard her graduate work in physician assistant school is. And she comes home and starts talking about how many hours she has to study, how difficult it is. And I just simply wait for a pause and I say, you know I almost died. <laughs> so, I, you know, i just just going to throw that out there. A couple months ago, almost died. And uh, she gives me that piercing stare and said, how long are you going to leverage that? <laughs> and I'm going to ride that pony until it gives out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> T- 
Today we're going to talk about impact. And in the present tense, we never understand the impact that we make when we invest in other people's lives. And I forgot to mention this, but it's good to have uh, Dustin and Jen Draper here from Japan. They're missionaries in Japan, so welcome. They're, they're visiting, so thank you guys for serving the Lord over there. And you're making an impact in people's lives in a foreign nation, so we appreciate that. Uh, we don't know the impact that we're going to make when we invest in other people's lives. And I hope you remember the story of my ICU nurse and the investment I was trying to make in her life. Her name was Akiko, and I was trying to explain to her relationship with the father. She knew rules and regulations, but she didn't know what relationship was. And so I finally came to this one scripture. I said, this is how easy it is. Jesus said, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as you love themselves, right, that that's relationship. That's how easy it is to have a relationship with the Father. I said, can you imagine how different this world would be if everybody lived by that code? And do you remember her response? What if you can't love yourself? What if, what if you can't love yourself? And she had this severe self-worth issue of the impact that she was making in the world. And honestly, I considered her an angel sent from God to save my life. But she didn't see herself that way. She couldn't see the special gift that God gave to her, that she was impacting my life. And by impacting my life, she was impacting other people's lives. So impact, there's a trickle-down effect of impact. The pastor that preached that message in 1977, when I came to a place of faith, pastors a congregation of 50 people. It hasn't grown in years. It's in this little remote town in Arkansas. According to church researchers, his church is well below the average of what they would consider a healthy church. But on that night in 1977, he was faithful to give to us what God had given to him, to preach that message that turned my life around, that not only impacted me, but now is impacting the world because I have a daughter who's given her life to a foreign nation so that that nation might be changed. And he didn't understand at that moment, at that time, the impact he was making by investing in my life, by fulfilling what God had told him to do. And I had no idea in 1978 when I screamed outside that dormitory how that young man's life would change the world. The reason that most people get lost in the concept of personal impact is because we have a strong lack of the eternal principle of faithfulness. And let me explain that to you. We all want faithfulness in life. The definition of faithful is this. It's it's really two-part. It's having or showing true and constant support or loyalty. It's a two-way give and take. And then it's deserving trust, keeping your promises, or doing what you're supposed to do. And we want that. We want faithfulness in our marriages. We want faithfulness in our relationship with our children. We want faithfulness from our employers or our employees. And I would venture to say that a major component of any successful relationship or contract is the promise of faithfulness, is keeping your promise of faithfulness. And allow me to use some illustrations of unfaithfulness uh, to prove that point. Marriage. One spouse does not feel that the other spouse is faithful by showing to them true and constant support and loyalty. All he does is complain about my weight. All she does is tell me I'm lazy. They never tell me or show me love. So they tell their sad story to somebody at work 
who is willing to listen to them intently and show them the support and love that they've been desperately lacking at home. And that usually leads to, a, um, to an affair. We see that in our children. Um, my mom and dad don't understand me. They don't get me. They're always telling me what to do and what not to do. They don't support me, and so I'm not going to keep my promise of obedience. It's irrational and faithfulness. Uh, employees who say, you know, my boss is favoring that person over me. You know, I'm not getting the benefits that they promised to me. My career is not advancing like I think it should. My boss is not being loyal or supportive. Therefore, I, I am not going to give my heart to working a full day work. I'm not going to give 100% of this job to some ungrateful company who doesn't appreciate who I am. It's, it's irrational and faithfulness. In all these situations, the opportunity to truly impact other people's lives is greatly diminished because of our unfaithfulness. And Philippians 2 is a portion of Scripture that speaks about the fact that Jesus gave up all his rights, humbled himself, came to earth, lived and died to serve you so that you might have life. And it tells us that we should do the same thing for others. And finally, in verses 14 through 16, it says this. Do everything without grumbling or, or arguing, which really is the beginning of unfaithfulness, right? He never tells me he loves me anymore. She nags me all the time. My parents don't understand me. My boss is not fair. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You're going to have impact. As you hold firmly, or can I put, as you're faithful to the word of life. And, and what is the greatest complaint of those who are strongly opposed to Christianity? All Christians are, are hypocrites. Or can, they're unfaithful. They say one thing, they don't follow up with it. They do something else. They don't do what they promised they're supposed to do. Now, in this scripture in Philippians, you're going to notice some quotation marks. is because Paul is quoting another scripture in the Bible. He's making reference to another place. Um, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 4 through 5. Talking about God, it says, He is the rock. He's unmovable. He's unshakable. He doesn't change. His works are perfect. And all His ways are just. He's the faithful God. He's faithful, who does no wrong. Upright and just is He. But they, talking about this world, are corrupt and not as children. To their shame, they are warped and crooked generation. And because my God is faithful, because my God is a rock, who does what He's, what he's promised to do, He is just and He's fair. Therefore, I'm going to live a life of impact to a warped and crooked generation. And, and Paul is tying all this together. Why God chose to use humans... <laughs> As instruments of impact, I, I'm never going to understand that. Because by nature, we're selfish and we're unfaithful. It, it's just a part of us to protect ourselves. If I were God, I would just blow up some unfaithful people, <laughs> wipe them from the face of the earth in a way that got everybody's attention. They knew what I did and they knew why I did it. Um, and then, out of fear, people would come in alignment to my will and obedience to my commands. I mean, that just seems to me the most logical way to do it. Here's the interesting thing. He did that in the Old Testament. You can read through 
God's how he dealt with people. People were unfaithful and he just sort of, you're gone. And, um, and he was doing that to prove a point. And guess what happened? Guess the people's response to that? Unfaithfulness. It didn't work. Over and over and over again. And he would set them straight and they'd be unfaithful. It just happened over and over again. Um, people don't respond to that. And God was trying to prove that to us. So what did God do? God showed us that love was the way. So because God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not die but have eternal life. So like Philippians 2 says, He humbled Himself and came to die so that through love we can understand His faithfulness. Love is that answer. In the same way, fear does not create faithfulness in a marriage. Hear me. Fear never creates faithfulness in a marriage or obedience in children or excellent employees. And yes, we need to... Discipline our children, but there's a huge difference between disciplining out of fear and disciplining out of love. Akiko, my wonderful angel nurse, didn't understand God's faithfulness because she didn't have a relationship with God. She didn't understand how God had faithfully created her to be unique and special for a divine purpose, saving my life. (laughs) So therefore, she had little self-worth. And she didn't value the impact that she has in this world because she didn't understand God's faithfulness to her and how he created her. Now, interesting enough, she was very faithful to her job, but the Japanese culture is is, is driven sort of by fear and not love and performance. Um, And because of that, they have a very high suicide rate because of this pressure that's been put on them to, to really operate at a high level. Jesus actually, on several occasions, speaks to the very concept of how faithfulness and how we operate on this earth works. One of them is found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 26. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to give you a chance to turn there. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 26. We're going to be there a little bit and sort of stay there. He told this parable actually several times through the New Testament in different ways. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, of each according to his ability. And a bag of gold or or talent in some versions was equivalent to 20 years of a day laborer's work. So the man with five talents received 100 years of salary For the average worker. And the man with two bags got 20 years. And the one with one bag got 20 years. For those of you who struggle with math in high school. I just want to lay that out for you. And (laughs) this portion of scripture is referring to the fact that when Jesus ascended into heaven. That when he did that he bestowed upon us gifts and talents. Unique and special to us. And each of us have this special mix within us. That's different than the other person. See you don't have to be a loud mouth like me to have impact. You can hold babies and change poopy diapers in the nursery. Um, You may be an incredible businessman who can create great wealth to pour into the kingdom of God. You may be able to love people that other people can't love. You might have great compassion or you have mercy. You might be a nurse or a doctor or you might be able to help people. There's all kinds of gifts that we have that are unique and special and God gave them. And the first step to having impact in life is to realize that God has been faithful Loyal and consistent, and he bestowed upon you unique and special gifts. Going on in the story, then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gave him five bags more. 
And so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. His master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold and see, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and, would you say this word with me, faithful servant. You've been faithful, there it is again, with a few things and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. The master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was, would you say that word, afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And see, here it is, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money at least on deposit with the bankers So when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And there are some common characteristics of these faithful servants. First of all, they understood that the gold that they received were gifts from the master. That what I got had been entrusted to me. He entrusted me with five bags of gold. To entrust something is to give someone the responsibility of doing something with or caring for someone or something. And it's a concept that says that all I have is from God and He has entrusted me to take care of what He's given to me. Which leads to their second understanding. Because they thought that way, everything had come from God that they had, they had an inherent belief that the gifts were to be used For his benefit, for the master's benefit, not for their good. The master did not say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you five bags of gold. Go out and do something with it or else all hell is going to break loose when I come back. He didn't say that. They just knew that the point of, of him giving the gifts and the resources were to use it for his benefit. In fact, the wicked servant even knew that. Listen to what he says. And I quote, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. He inherently knew that there was an expectation to the gifts that he was given, that that's the way the master operated. He understood their responsibility. And the last thing that they understood is that they got the gifts from God, that they were responsible. Their motivation was the master's happiness. Not what I I could get out of this whole gig. I'm not going to give or do because of what he's going to do for me. But I I just want to bring joy to my master. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And the immediate mental picture that I get when I read that is when my children 
were young and I would come home from work. And as soon as I walked through the door, they would rush to me with that, that drawing that they just made in school. Remember those days? And they go, look, look, Dad, look what I made. And we put it on the refrigerator, right? Or look at my report card, right to me. And I sort of see that happening as this, this servant coming and the master coming back and he's rushing. Look what I did with what you gave me. And they loved his excitement. And he says, come and, and experience and share in my happiness. You've been faithful. And now here's the great thing is, because you've been faithful, I'm going to be faithful back to you. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You were faithful a few. I'm going to give you more. Come and share my happiness. Now, in contrast, the, the, the lazy servant lived in fear. What did he say? I was afraid. And people, um, people who understand God's faithfulness display certain characteristics even today. And I want to talk about excuse me, what, what we should do. First of all, we need to understand that the entirety of our existence is a gift from God. Everything. The book of James tells us that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father in whom there is no variance. So please don't sit there and say, well, yeah, you got all the gifts. I didn't get any gifts. There's no variance. God does not change. He's faithful. He gives everyone their gifts and their resources and their talents. Now, some people might have five. Some might be about two. Some people have a loud mouse. You mean we all have different gifts. But my TV, my house, my car, my job... My family, my talents, my ability to swing a hammer or, my, or play with children or sing a song or play an instrument or have compassion or have mercy. All these are gifts of God. Everything that I have has been bestowed upon me because He is a great and He is a faithful God. I am uniquely and wonderfully made. Uh, therefore, people who understand God's faithfulness in that realize that, that He's given me these gifts for His benefit, that I might be about His business and His will, that I'd use my talents and my resources to positively impact the world for His fame, not for my fame. And they inherently understand that the gifts given to them is, is for God's purpose. And lastly, um, people who get all this, their motivation is always based on God's happiness and His approval. And I know a lot of churches speak a different thing, if you, then God will. But I want to live my life in a way that says, God, I, I'm just so blessed and so honored that you would bestow upon me these gifts. It's just, it's just my honor to do that. And I'm, I, I just love the joy that you get from that. And guess what? Here's the interesting thing. I get to share in that happiness. Isn't that cool? I get to be the guy behind the dorm that gets to shout out for joy because I'm a part of it. Um, Now, the servant who operated in fear, he didn't believe the gold was the master's gift to him. Listen to what his response was compared to the other response. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold. Uh, Your gold in the ground. And see, here it is. This is what belongs to you. Compared to the other guy, he says, Master, you entrusted me. You gave me a gift. And it's my job and my responsibility. When God entrusted me with two children, I mean, I I believe they're His children, but He entrusted me with these children. I understood that God still had ownership, but these were gifts to me. So we had co-ownership, if you will. 
And Judy and I, during this time that we live on this earth, it's our responsibility to take care of them, to invest in their lives, to bring impact. And one day, the Master will return, and He'll take us all to heaven, and we'll all be His children again. You know, and we have to live together and enjoy each other. And the servant who lived in fear wanted no part of the ownership process. This is yours. It's not entrusted to me. I hid it in the ground. Now it's back to you. And I think this guy went about life using all his resources that he had on this earth for his own enjoyment. And on every other Sunday, went to the place where he buried the gold and just made sure it was okay. Because that's yours, God. This is mine. And because of this train of thought, there's no way that he was going to think that the gold was for God's benefit. That's I, I don't use this. Master, you're a hard man who expects results. And out of fear of losing your money, I decided to pr- protect myself and bury it. See, not I'm going to take a risk and invest and impact. I'm going to protect for my security. The gifts that God gave me are to make sure that I get to heaven one day. The gifts that God gave to me are, are used for the text of my life. It's to make sure I pay my bills every month. It's to make sure I get my great vacation every year. It's to make sure I get the car I deserve. I mean, in, rea- in reality, uh, faithfulness, all faithfulness is, is faith in action, right? It takes faith to say that all the resources and all my talents are gifts from God. It's an act of His grace. It takes faith to say, so therefore, God, you have the right to use them so that you may get glory and fame to benefit this world to bring impact in other people. I have faith to put them at risk so that you will be honored and it will bring happiness to your life. And I have the faith to believe that if I put my life and my resources at risk, you will, in turn, be faithful back to me. Remember, they, he says, now I'm going to give you more and you're going to take care of my needs. Those who live in fear don't understand that God is a faithful God. That's the problem. Does that make sense? They don't understand his faithfulness. So they seldom put their assets or talents at risk to impact other people's lives. They're in protection mode. And and this is what I say. They don't need to be manipulated or threatened into obedience. Fear is not the answer. They need to have a fresh revelation of faithfulness, of God's faithfulness. God is faithful to have or to show to you true and constant support or loyalty. That's what he does. And therefore, I can be faithful to keep my promises and do what I'm supposed to do. Please understand, you have a good life. You have a great life. You have a blessed life. God is faithful. He has shown you true and constant support and loyalty. And you say, but, but P.O., you don't understand my life stinks. Life has dealt me a bad hand. Things are not going well. Right. God is faithful. Really? You know, I almost died. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I was five days in ICU and ten days in the general hospital. And they didn't think I was going to live. I'm just saying. (laughs) I have a great life. I do. God is a rock. He is just and fair. He's faithful 
and loving. And my response to his faithfulness is faithfulness to use the talents, resources, and gifts that he gave me to impact others so that, so that they may know how loving and faithful he is. So what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your resources? How has God blessed your, your life? What has he given to you? And do you know that he gave all those things to you for a reason? For a divine purpose? So that you might use them for his benefit? Impacting the lives of people that he died for and that he loves so much? Um, and when you do that, if you'll do that, it just brings great joy to him. And not only that, you get to share in that joy and happiness. And it's a powerful thing. And so today, if you're like, well, I'm just not quite there. I, I don't I, Would you just take a few moments and realize how faithful God has been to you? And, and the gifts and the talents and the resources. And, and you really do have a great life. So I want you to do something with me. Can we just stand... Let's stand together. And I want to just take a few moments of prayerful silence. Maybe if you want to close your eyes, whatever you would like to do. Um, I just wanted you to take sort of an inventory of life. No matter what's going on right now, can you just take a few moments and say, yeah, you, you did bless me with this. You did give me some resources and talents. and They're gifts from you, God. What are the talents He's given to you? What are the resources He's given to you? Father, today I want to thank You that You are a God that gives gifts. Not because we deserve them, just because You're faithful and You love us. I want to thank you that you chose us as instruments to be used to impact other people's lives. So powerful. I realize that you gave those gifts to me for a reason. Hmm. And I know it brings great joy to you when I use them for your kingdom. Father, I want to thank you for saving my life. I want to thank you for my family. You've blessed me, Father. I want to thank you that I have a house to live in. It's yours. Do with it what you will. The cars that I have, the the ability to speak, I, I just give them to you. I just lay them at your feet. They're yours. Please use them. Show me how to use them so that people may know your love. I want to have significance in life. I want to make an impact for you. That's my prayer. I love you. And you're so good to me. Mm. And if you agree with that prayer, and that's your prayer too, would you, would you just say amen I, to that prayer? You've been listening to a message from Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Email any questions to streamschurch at msn.com. The mission of Streams Church is very simple, to lead people into their life calling a relationship with Jesus Christ that is challenging, growing, and purposeful. For more information about service times, location, or events, go to streamschurch.org.